1: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
0: Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. It is Monday. It is a big show. We are back on all our regular platforms here on Sabres Live, including MSG. And we've had to enlarge the screen, Marty Barron, because we are welcoming one of the new assistant coaches for the Rochester Americans, Nathan Page, to get things started today. Nathan, congratulations on the uh, promotion, the next opportunity for you within the organization. Uh, quite a day and quite a buildup, I'm sure, to this moment.
2: Yeah, thanks, Defer. It's it's exciting. Obviously, I've been in the organization for a long time in the last two years in the development role and then moving to this new role with some of the players I've already worked with. It just feels like a real natural fit, and I'm excited to get started. Patriot Coach Seth Happert has been saying it all year
1: long that he and Mike Weber and Michael Pecko would play euchre and play cards at the front of the bus and all of that. So, are you getting excited about playing cards again? Like you used to be one of those rookies that we would bring to the card game and try to win money off. Now you're you're experienced guy. So, are you excited to join a card game again?
2: Well, I'm smart enough not to know not to sit left of you. I I told uh, <laughs> Duffer this story on the plane when I saw Danny Barrer made me move seats because Danny kept losing because Marty was so bad that he would just he would he would make the guy next to him lose too. He'd take him down with the <laughs> So as a rookie I got Danny's like, all right, that's it. And he moved me next to Marty and then I started losing. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh man. So I've learned a few things too. So I gotta figure out where my seat's gonna be.
0: <laughs> well, um, how do you how do you put into you know kind of words your excitement level for for what's next here for you and for obviously the entire group?
2: It's hard to really put it in words. I think you guys know what this city, this organization means to me. We're basically going on, I don't know, year 12, 15, whatever it is in this organization throughout my career, coaching, playing, all, all that. So to be a part of it and being on the bench again, uh, I'm just, I'm speechless. Just getting that feeling back of standing on that bench, being in that arena, some place I hold so dear with, with family and friends in the stands too. you got to remember my family and friends are all here because my wife's from here. I've lived here for 20 years. So I'm going to be on that bench looking up the stands and I'm going to go home and, you know, they're going to tell me what I did wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So I've just, not just me, but my whole family is just really excited for the opportunity. Okay. You talk about the bench, the
1: bench scares me. Like when I was asked to go on a bench for youth hockey, like I, I don't get the whole, and, and this is not, I don't get the whole like matching lines or whatever, but it happens so fast. I want to talk to a kid and all of a sudden, whoa, what what just happened? I miss so much of what happens on the ice when I'm on the bench. Um, but you said the bench excites you. Like, what is it about being on the bench that you feel you can bring and it excites you because of the energy and and your dynamic with the players?
2: Well, exactly what you're talking about. That excites me and it's going to be new. It's I'm going to have a learning curve just keeping in your emotions in check and being able to react to the situation that's at hand, whether you lose a defenseman to a penalty, which lines you got to match all those type of things. I'm new to, uh, I've had it through youth hockey, but it's a little different scale than it is coaching <laughs> a hockey team, uh, but that stuff's amazing. And I can't wait to be a part of it. And you almost have to curb the coaching a little on the bench to an extent because you have to be able to read and react to the situation going on and, yeah. and know who's up and know who's going and make sure you're communicating that well and save some of the coaching for in-between periods. Whereas youth hockey, I don't care if I miss a change or That I'm just sitting there if I'm on the board or something on the bench, I'm teaching them. So it's, it's going to be a learning curve for me, but I think the whole point of taking this job and moving into this position is to learn more, learn from apps, learn from Vinny, all these guys that have such great experience. And and I'm excited just to grow myself as a hockey individual away from the actual playing part.
0: Do you believe that you would have had this opportunity had you not scored in your final game as an Amrick?
2: Yeah, no chance. What a way to go out. I think the reason I got this opportunity is because of my celebration after I scored that final goal. I think yes. I, I told you guys about the wiggle, my son's celebration goal and how I had I promised him if I ever scored, I would do the wiggle. And I I you guys would see me smiling, but as soon as I scored that goal it was in my head and like Oh, crap, I got to do the wiggle. <laughs> <laughs> 37-year-old man, and I'm doing the most ridiculous celebration ever. But it, it, the fact that that was my last ever game was a special thing for me. I think it was meant to be because it was kind of me passing the torch on to my son, where he's a hockey player now, and I'm the dad and the coach.
0: But well, you, you know what's about- crazy? Uh, hang good, on one second. Yeah. What's crazy about it is like you talked during your uh, media introduction today about how you were in and out of the lineup that year. That was like one month before COVID happened. So, you you know, it's hard to know, obviously, what is around the corner. Now, I learned today that you actually ended your career on a two game point streak. So <laughs> that, you know, really just validates, uh, you know, your your impact on the team that year. But When you think of it in that context, though, like a month before a pandemic, and then everything changes, and you said it today, like COVID ripped your skates off, so um, again, like this is, it's crazy that this is now just another highlight in the journey, right?
2: Yeah, I think it's just, it was a stepping stone into the new chapter for me, and it's kind of comical. You say the two game points. You what I meant. I played ten games. I had two points the whole year. So that's not <laughs> something Like I was impacting anyway. I'm I good was, at spinning. Yeah, that's what a spin that is. I you probably most people probably don't know. I was 37 years old and I had to teach myself how to take a face off because I'd never taken a face off before. And and so there was so many cool things in that season that that were special. And just I was I was an old guy learning new tricks and. And I was lucky that tails and bots, you know, had that and Randy Sexton had the faith in me to keep me in that locker room only play in 10 games, but hopefully understanding, I think they did understand the value that the culture we're trying to create. And, you know, I have to thank those guys, especially tails. He really pushed to bring me back to the organization and I owe a lot to him to be able to finish my career out as an And now moving forward, you know, Kevin and Terry and, and, apps and everybody. And especially Adam Mayor, who helped get me into the development spot and Jason Carmanos, uh, you know, believing in me into that position and now into the coaching position. You talk about passing the torch to your son. Um,
1: you know, what is funny is that I think most players when they retire, and then they're retired for five, 10 years and their kids grow up, they're like, man, I wish my kids could have understood what I went through as a player. And, you know, the ups and downs of the team and playoffs run and all of that. Um, so for me, it's the same thing. Like when I retired, I think my son was nine. So he understood a little bit, but not at the height of my career, right? When I was playing a lot. So is this something that you're excited about to to have your family and, and your kids older now to be able to see like the ups and downs and that you're really a part of a team, especially the Rochester Americans?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, my kids in Grand Rapids were able to win the two Calder Cups there and they're on the parade and stuff and got that experience. But they're young, but they still talk about it. And I think moving forward now, it's just being in the locker room. My son, he's a hockey player. He's he is just so excited to be in with like apps is so welcoming to family and friends. And so Kellen knows he's got a place there and he's basically moving in. And then my daughter, Mira, even when I played, I used to bring her in to the Rochester and she'd go in the office and she has a big personality. She'd take over the office. So I'm just really excited for them to be a part of that. And the culture apps has created that family atmosphere and it's just going to fit to to what I believe in and, and what my family wants to do too. So I think that's why they can be so supportive and they are just as excited as I am.
0: When did you start thinking about this? Like, not that you knew that Pekka and or Weber were going to move on, but like, how long have you really thought about coaching?
2: Um, well, I wouldn't say in the last two years I've really thought of it because I, I loved my job as player development and it was an amazing experience and a great transition for playing with player development. You get to work with the draft picks, you get to Really experience a lot of different avenues of pro hockey and the behind-the-scenes stuff. Whether it's watching and evaluating, or see kind of decisions that management is making. You're in those meetings at times. Like not all, obviously, there's there's higher-up stuff, but you get to see a little behind the scenes, and then also you get to jump on the ice and get to learn a little bit on the coaching side. Uh, so the, I was able to, I think, learn and grow into a lot of different areas. And I don't know if. I wanted to get into coaching right after playing, but I don't know if I was really prepared as I am now. I still have a lot to learn. I'll say that, but it's something I've always thought of, of my whole life. My first coaching job, I was 16 years old. Uh, it was in Leroy, Saskatchewan. And my cousin was, a, so my sister was a really good softball player. And I was five years younger than my sister. So I was a bat boy as a little kid. So I grew up, my dad was a coach. He was a coach of the hockey team, my hockey team, and then I coached my sister's baseball team. So I knew the sport and sat there having a catch her for, for years and my I have a small, small town. I should tell people there's 450 people. So there's not a lot of coaches in, in town to, that are available that know the sport. So my cousin was our, it was a really good player and she was my age. And she asked if I could coach and I had time because I, I was coming back from junior hockey and it was a split uh, semester. So I didn't have a lot of classes. I said, yeah, I'd love to. So I think from an early age, I got into coaching, and I come from a family of coaches. My dad was a coach. My grandpa was a coach of hockey teams. So it's always kind of been ingrained in, into my family and, and something I've always gravitated towards, even in my playing career in the summers, whether it was running skates or when I was done running youth hockey, all, all sorts of things have kind of led me to this path. Now, um, Seth Appert was a
1: goaltender. Vinnie Prospel was a forward you did everything. You even block shots. So I'll say you did all of it. Yeah. Um, what are you more excited about, like working with D or helping out some forwards, maybe some depth guys, special teams? Is there? I, I know you guys are just announced now, but is there something you're really excited about? Part of the the whole, you know, task that gets divided between coaches.
2: Well, I think the most exciting part for me is it's kind of continuing on the development path in my last three years in Rochester as a player where I wasn't really a player, it was more about the younger guys. I, it's more about helping them realize their dreams and getting to the, their ultimate goals, and whatever that may be whether that's a Calder Cup, whether that's playing in the NHL, is winning a Stanley Cup, just having some kind of peace and hopefully helping them along that path. And to be able to sit, I remember playing and sitting here. Kellen would play mini sticks with with guys like Jacob Bryson and Fitzy would come over for dinner. They'd play mini sticks and he'd go into the rink and hang out with Tage. And then all of a sudden we're sitting on the couch and we're watching those guys star for the Sabres. And that's pretty special. I, and at that point in my career, it wasn't about my, me playing. It was about, you know, helping those guys realize their dreams and seeing some of those guys accomplish those was you know, a special for me and my family and to continue that just however that may be, whether it's on the ice, off the ice, whatever piece of information or helpful tip I can give them on the coaching side. And as the personal level, that's, that's what most excites me.
0: Nathan Pace with us here on Sabres live. He and Vinny Prospol joining Seth Appert on the Amherst coaching staff uh, that announced today. How do you ever take the time? Have you ever taken the time and especially on a day like this to read a team press release. And if you have, what do you, how does it make you feel when you see what the Amherst put out today about your contributions to the organization? I would say as much or more so off the ice during your time with the team.
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, you got to give props to Warren Cassell for that. Uh, I think Warren overpumps me a little (laughs) in that area. Just Warren and I have been together for a long time, and this is what a lot of people don't know is these people behind the scenes, the amount of work they do. Uh, There's people in the office, Marty, you know, all the people we've been around, uh, travel, all that. These are special people that they love hockey too, and they work countless hours. So, I appreciate that what he wrote. And, and like I said, off the ice is just as important on the ice for the community. And that's why coaching here is extra special for me because this is home and that I have a special place with this community. And I, I do appreciate what Warren wrote and uh, you know, it's very flattering and it means a lot. And just so everybody knows though, there a lot of work goes into those people writing those articles, different things, setting that even up this call, there's so mm-hmm. many other people that are there helping us out every day. And, you know, I, they just don't get the credit that they deserve. This
1: or that, Pacher, were you a sleeping stand, like not standing, but sitting in your seat or sleeping, like laying across four seats where you were sleeping on the floor on the bus? Like, how did you do it as a player? Because you can't roll on the floor if you're a coach, like you can't like lay down in the slush and all of that. But as a player, you do whatever works. So what what were you doing when you were playing to get some uh, shut eyes on the on the bus?
2: Well, the evolution of 17 years, you're bus seats change, and the amount of seats you get change. So I'm rookie, which I'm a rookie again now. I sat up and I slept like this because I had Chris Thorburn sitting next to me, and he's a big boy. So I just those nice shoulders lean on those. And then as I got older, I was able to take a little more room. And I had those two seats. I had the four-seater where I could put my feet across and, and get a little more comfortable. So back in a rookie, I think I'll be sitting straight up and uh, sleeping again. Was Thorburn uh, long hair at the time? Did that wake you up with
1: a couple of like long, like tick, tickling hair in your face. You know, it's not as long as
2: it is now. And he barely could grow facial hair that, so that didn't tickle me too bad. Ah, <laughs> Good. Ah,
0: ah. <laughs> Do you, I mean, now the door is open since we're talking about former players and teammates. What would you like to share about Marty right now, Nathan?
2: I mean, there's endless stories about Marty. I mean, I we think- only worked <laughs> together like six months. They can't be endless stories. Oh, I'll tell you a great story. It's about Marty, but it's not. Actually, Marty, that did it. It was trade deadline, and me and Adam and were roommates, and we were playing a game in Toronto, and we actually were taking pregame naps. So we fell asleep, and the phone rings, and we're both our hearts drop. We just get up in the bed, look oh. at each other, and we're like, we don't know what to do. He grabs it, and it's Danny Breer. It's like, you watch watching this? Marty just got traded. And we're both like, <laughs> Danny, are you kidding me? He just gave us a heart attack. He's like, well, you guys are hockey nerds. I knew you'd be up watching this. <laughs> Well that's probably a little story about Marty that yeah. and then you and Mersey cried and cried because I was
1: leaving. So yes. Thank you, Petra. Nope. I appreciate that.
2: <laughs> My three on three goalie got traded. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't like so like when we played, because we played again later that year. I remember the last year when the season was in Philadelphia. Um were you were you a chirper? Like if I don't remember Really, you getting around me and chirping me or whatnot? But were you like a vocal guy on the ice? Were you a chirper? Uh, did you get into the scrums and had some good
2: good one one-liner? No, horrible. I was horrible. It, okay, good. You describe me as a chirper. It'd be like a guy, pit, you know, square wheels. <laughs> that, that was <laughs> that was me. <laughs> I was willing to stick up for a teammate, but. It was, it was with uh, with my heart, not my mind when it came to chirping. <laughs> Good, that because as such... a coach, there's some coaches
1: like Steve Ott, right, still as a coach, he chirps um, everybody, and you're like, Otter, you can't
2: go there. You're a coach now. you got to stop. So this is perfect for you, Peter. <laughs> yeah, no, that's ingrained in Otter. I've played with Otter. I've known him for a long time, and I, he could never turn it off.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. And square tires are like the ultimate Canadian Prairie Reference. I didn't learn of square <laughs> tires till I went to college in Calgary. And then I found out real quick what it's like when you go out in minus thirty-five and your car is thump 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 thump. <laughs> That's your well, it freezes. thanks for clarifying that
1: because I had no idea. Oh, I just thought man. like, well, yeah, obviously when you got square tires, it doesn't go anywhere, but it's oh. an actual like thing that oh, when your you car's big... too cold, you get a flat end and it just takes time to get rounded yeah. again.
2: Big time. I probably don't know you got to plug your car in to keep it running in the winter no too. i
1: did i didn't know that because i played way up north in quebec and my oh. my bullet dad used to plug his truck in and have a a little heated fan inside that would kick in at every like 6 a.m every morning so it would warm up the inside of the car too because if not it was completely frozen
0: do you think um like little stories like that like do you love finding that out about the current players like having that little bit of time where you get to know them way more off the ice and and then you know is that is that what helps kind of develop these relationships for you?
2: Absolutely and I think I have a kind of a head start on it because of the development job that's really a key part of being a development coach is you can't just jump in and, you know, to have all these ideas for them and stuff. You, the biggest part of that job is to build the relationship first, and then they trust you and the, they'll know deep down that you're doing everything for their best interest, mm-hmm. whether sometimes that could be a difficult conversation. But you can't have those difficult conversations without the relationship first where they trust and know that you're thinking of their best interests first. So, yes, that, for me, that's extremely important. And luckily, with a lot of these players, the Amherst, I've already worked with them before whether it's through development or just being there last season so I, or some of them i even played with so that makes it even easier i mean you look at uh big murr i played with big murr so there's a yeah. couple of guys still on the roster there was more more last year with uh lawrence pilot going overseas i played with larry too so uh, you know and i think with guys that played with me being in that locker room it helps give the younger guys kind of Knowledge of who I am and who what I was as a teammate and how I cared about them and and so that'll also help moving. Well, forward. I'll give
1: you a little uh, maybe background story on your assistant, newcoming assistant Vinnie <laughs> um When Vinnie was traded from Tampa to Philadelphia, um he sat next to me in the locker room in Philly, and after like five days, he looked over to me. He goes, "Is there ever sun in Philadelphia?" I need to find a tanning bed because he had played like six years in Tampa. He goes, I need to keep this glow. I need to find a tanning bed. So Vinny was, uh, you're going to love him. So yeah. So make sure like first time you see him or something, you say, uh, so by the way, we can, there's spray tan over there. There's tanning <laughs> beds
2: over there. Like just throw that in for me, please. Um, yeah. He's He's really good. He might be shocked in Rochester. I'll be honest, Marty. I thought that story was going a different direction. I thought he was going to turn to you and say, do you ever stop talking? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I didn't expect it to go that oh, way. Vinny I can think, talk. Vinny yeah, can I think talk. they're pretty close, Pacer. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Well, there we go. Oh, <laughs>
1: and he's got great gosh. stories, and he's got some bite to him. So, yeah, I I've, I played with Vinny Prospo in both Philly and the New York Rangers, and funny enough, I thought that Vinny did not like John Tortorella when he was in in Tampa with him. And then, about two weeks after Vinny was in Philly, he looks over to me and goes, I miss Torts. And then, sure enough, like he found Torts back in New York. Like he wanted to go back with Torts because he realized after the fact, like, I like Torts. I like that he pushes me, I like his, his system. So, um, so yeah, you may, you may learn a few torch stories here and there in the locker room with Vinny, which will be great. Write those down and then tell
2: us on the show, all the things that he says. Oh, I can't wait. Cause I, I, am friends with Ryan Callahan and obviously Callie with oh. the captain. So he's told me some beauties. <laughs> oh, oh,
1: definitely. So yeah, Callie would, I would have some good stories of, uh, of Vinny as well. Cause I think well, he played
2: a couple of years with him. He did. I mean, to your point, just, or the point I was making before, once you get those relationships like Vinny had with Torts and Torts pushed him and you realize it's what's best for you, but it yeah. you have to have that relationship first before the a player will accept it. Yeah. So how and do it's you
1: Not cel- every player that likes that too, right? Some players yeah. don't like that. You got to learn them, but yeah, go ahead. Duffer.
0: No. How do you celebrate then this, uh, this new, this new title with your family and friends?
2: Uh, my wife and I are actually about to get in the car and drive to Toronto to fly to Scotland right now. So, uh, yeah, so we're going, we're development camps over, and this kind of, we didn't know this was going to happen today. So, we already had this pre booked. She bought a trip there for my 40th birthday. So, we're going. And it, here's a funny thing on the Zoom with uh, Vinny today, Vinny's wife bought him a trip to Scotland when he turned 40 as well. So, we already no, have that. No that in way. Yeah. Now, wh-
0: why do you like, why Scotland and, and, What's the itinerary looking like when you get over there?
2: Uh why not Scotland? Um, we're yeah, gonna- exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I,
0: I'm part Scottish. My mom's from there, so it's you know, yeah. I, I would but, love to get back. So
2: uh, we're gonna go there. We're gonna uh, go to Glasgow, and then we're going go up the Highlands and mm-hmm. tour the coast. We're gonna tour some distilleries, some of the old distilleries. Then we're gonna go to probably finish off in Edinburgh, and oh,
1: then wonderful. back to
2: Glasgow to fly back. So.
1: Everybody would ask any golf in there or uh, it
2: does, but no, because it's just my wife and I, and it's yeah. not golf trip so and she uh we she was practicing this weekend at my father in law's place and she hasn't gotten any better at golf so I couldn't make eighteen I couldn't make two holes with her playing <laughs> golf. She's retired. My son beat her when he was six years old and she's since retired got from golfing.
0: <laughs> oh man. Well you know what that's a perfect way to cap this. That just sounds like an awful lot of good things happening for, uh, for a really good person that we've known for a long time, and we get to continue this relationship here. Congratulations, Nathan. A very exciting time. Thanks, Duffer. Thanks, Marty. Nathan Pace, he is uh, off to Scotland, and then he'll be back, of course, because he'll be with the Americs as the season begins. We, of course, invite you to Hockey Fest, which is a street hockey festival you don't want to miss. It is part of Sabres Fan Fest on September 16th. Get your team together. It's open to all skill levels, ages, and uh, youth to adult. So visit sabres.com slash hockey fest to register your team today. Marty, have you ever taken an off-season Europe, like European vacation, and what was your favorite destination? If so, did
1: not take an off season European vacation because I'm a homebody duffer, so I always wanted after the season was over to stay at home. Uh, but I did go to Europe a couple of times, and one was for the world championship where uh-huh. we went to Riga, Latvia for about five days, and then went on to go to, um. Uh, Turku Finland and then Mm -hmm. Helsinki Finland which was great Riga Latvia Latvia is oh so beautiful Riga the old Riga was beautiful and 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 Turku Finland and and Helsinki were awesome uh but I I know a lot of players do that they play the world championship and then they stick around another 10 days right and they go travel in Europe because it's so easy Mm -hmm. I haven't got a chance to do it I was more of a if we went somewhere we went down to florida maybe for a week or 10 days uh or like i said i just like being at home and you are yeah like I'm, I'm a homebody so now that that's i've thrown it I'm out
0: concerned. there i should have known that that would be the answer cuz that's totally you and um how did you like our image on social today at sabers oh, live
1: at the, the msg sphere, sphere. Back, like we're yeah.
0: we're back on msg so i thought why don't we c- can we angle ourselves to get on msg sphere at some point
1: I think we should. And if we do have a road crew party in Vegas in the next couple of years, we definitely have to announce it to the world that way. I thought that sphere was fake. When I saw a tweet of it, somebody driving on the highway and the big basketball was on the sphere. Right. And I'm thinking this is fake. And then they're like, no, no, no. Look, this is another angle of it. I'm like what is going on in Vegas? But obviously they win the cup. And now they have a sphere like I share a little bit with everybody share Dude, the, the wealth this,
0: there. I don't I I mean, their two billion plus football stadium is pretty impressive. But I I don't know, man, like this thing is blowing me away. It's one thing to see it from an aerial viewpoint. Yeah. But like when you're driving and that's in your immediate horizon, <laughs> like it's something out of a sci-fi movie and, and it's like, I just feel it's a I distraction. Mean, it's, <laughs> it's yes. But in, in the craziest sensory way, and then to think of how it actually is on the inside as a concert venue oh. from 17,000 to 20,000. And one of the most amazing things I read about it was the sound yeah, and how they've perfected it. So, Every single seat, no matter where in that building, is going to experience the exact same audio level, acoustics, whatever. That, to me, is mind-blowing. So,
1: you know the Globe Arena in Sweden where they usually play? like It's a big Globe-looking arena, and that's what they say about that spot. We were there with the Rangers to play the premier games in in Sweden, and um, they say for concerts, it's actually fantastic. Actually, one of my regrets in life is that we had practice one morning in the Globe Arena the day before the game. And I went to the hotel just to find out that Roxette was practicing in an adjacent area in the Globe Arena for an upcoming concert. Um, so and there goes my Spalding lake Wi-Fi. Um, but anyway, I I was like, I love rock set and I wanted to go and see them. But anyway, the Globe Arena is like that. This sphere in Vegas is like that. But then again, like one of the best acoustically um, if I could say that word, yeah. arena is Madison Square Garden because yeah. the ceiling is so low and bowed mm-hmm. down. And so I'm thinking, well, how can a thing so big and so open? Mm-hmm can have great acoustics, right? Because usually arenas with empty ceiling, the sound goes up there and it dies up there, but they did a fantastic job in Vegas. I'm sure Duffer, you will uh, find your way down there for a concert or two.
0: Ooh, I better start budgeting now. Um, but yeah, that I will say this. I can only hope that their audio consistency mirrors your Wi-Fi dropouts at precisely the same time every Every (laughs) every Every day on our show and you know what that means it's time to break yes we'll be back with the second half hour of sabers live on wgr msg and not msg sphere right after this
2: call from mom answer it call silenced
0: instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
2: You have 47 new voicemails.
0: Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. What a nice way to launch a new week in summer, Marty, when there's often not a lot of news and we have been (laughs) blessed and then some over the last few weeks with the draft and development camp and all things Amherst and Sabres right now and to have Nathan Pace join us off the top. I never did ask him though. Is this a good offseason trade for the Amherst? Dealing away Pekka and Weber. For Prospel and Pace, did you know Pekka and Weber combined for 1,215 NHL games? Prospel and Pace, 1,265. Mm -hmm. I think Seth Appert might be the winner in either of these situations. He has definitely surrounded himself positionally, experience-wise, character-wise, like funny characters, serious characters, like passionate characters, this has been a really interesting last couple of years that now promises to continue with these two gentlemen on the bench with him.
1: And, and look, what is the the model been for Kevin Adams for what he wants with the Buffalo Sabres? We want people that want to be here and we want people that understand the, the organization and the history of the team. So Nathan page living in Rochester, you know, the last 20 years have been part of the Rochester Americans as a, as a player, a development coach, as a, a youngster and a veteran player, that's great. What's the other thing that Rochester has a lot of? Czech Mafia. Czech Mafia. And Vinny Prossbowl comes in with Czech Mafia. I tell you, Marty, Czech Mafia. Like, it's Vinny. He's going to fit in right in. He's going to help with these young Czech players. And And Russians. And Russians and and all of that. But absolutely. But as an added part to the Czech Mafia that we love so much, that is going to be definitely in play here, Um, So, yeah, I think that uh, those two hires, 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 even though I love like the root beer. Yes, perfect. I love Dwebby. I love Pex. And it's great for them to have had an opportunity to continue to grow and go to the NHL in that way. I think Pacher and Vinny Prospil are going to come in and fit right in
0: and look at who they will be overseeing. Yes. This We talked about this last week before, again, more transactions were made heading into the weekend. This current possible group of Amherst forwards is fascinating to me. Not for the least of reasons being what's available potentially in Buffalo this year. And that is to start the year, a Quinn opening, what happens with Victor Olofsson, yes. who gets slotted where, So maybe you're looking at this group of forwards and seeing the potential for early on for a couple of players to perhaps make a jump to the Sabres. Maybe it's Kulik. Maybe it's Rusek. Maybe it's someone else. But right now, you've got Murray. These are all back in the fold. We wondered last week, like, would Yops be back? Would Warren be back? So you got Murray, Yops, Mersh. These are in no particular order, but play the game. Wiseback, Byro, Rusek. Cedarquist, Kulik, Rosea, Neuchev, Richards, Warren, Kisikoff, Kozak, Nadeau. <laughs> Marty, we're five lines deep already, yes. and they have Riley Fridler-Schultz and Graham Slagert, the latter of which played the entire year in the American League last year. So, like, this is, I can't imagine there's going to be that many more signings. Obviously, they will have to, you know, make sure that the ECHL affiliate is, is, is fully stocked, but this is a hearty, group of forwards with some tough battles to be won for this team.
1: Well, first of all, Duffer, something I did not know and I learned this morning is, and I I think it's still the same way because the article I read was from 2018, but I think that at the AHL level, there is no roster limits like at the NHL level. The NHL has a limit on 23 active players. There's obviously injured players that you can have, 26, 27 players with your NHL club if they're on IR, long-term IR, or for whatever reasons not available, but at the AHL level, you don't have a roster limit. So if you're hoping to develop some players, maybe take your time with some players, having some kind of a rotation early on, see how they respond, how they they they, they play, is it too much, too little, how do you adjust? So you could start the season with having that number of players mm-hmm. and then seeing is there injury concerns in Buffalo? Is there player movement in Buffalo? We need players available. I think what Kevin Adams and Jason Carmanos are trying to do between Buffalo, Rochester, and obviously whatever team comes uh, along with the ECHL affiliation is not have a problem with rosters and putting any team in a bad position.
0: And when you look at the blue line, it's important because of our first guest here on the show who will be... just like Mike Weber intensely involved in helping these players develop. And because of his background, he's already got relationships with, with many of them, including Ryan Johnson, who will be one of the most talked about first year defensemen for the Amherst this year. But we could be looking at a situation of Johnson and prow Davies, Ciccone, Novikov, Metza, Jandrick Clegg, and Nick Savoie, who was just signed along with Riley Fiddler, Schultz. So, you know, and, of course, the, we've talked about this extensively, too. Takarsky, Cooley, and Hauser uh, are available to be the goaltending tandem. You know, whether Michael sees a lot of AHL time this year remains to be seen, obviously. But I can't get over how deep they are in all positions. Right now, on July 10th, a lot of this AHL stuff doesn't always fall into place until much later. And I'm I'm incredibly impressed with the job Jason Carmanos has done here in conjunction with the Sabres, you know, drafting philosophy. But this, I think for July 10th, this is pretty impressive.
1: Very impressive. And it's impressive also that uh, players from other organizations wanted to sign in Rochester, despite the fact that there's a lot of bodies available, right? Like if you're an AHL player and Rochester's calling and say, we want to offer you a one-year deal, Um, you're going to look at the roster construction and then you're going to say, oh, I'm not sure. Like there's a lot of bodies, but no, you know what? I want to go there because I like that organization. I like that coaching staff. I like the teams, uh, the team and how it's put together. I like the players and I want to be a part of it. So Mm -hmm. this is not just for development. This is a team that's being put together to continue what they did last year. Falling to the Hershey bears in the Eastern conference championship is not what the Rochester Americans want to do next year. They want to go all the way. They want to win. Winning helps you getting better. My Second year in Rochester, we lost in the Calder Cup Final. The amount of players that got experience and then ended up in Buffalo the year or years after um, was many. The year after me, the Rochester Americans lost to the Hartford Wolfpack in the, the Calder Cup Finals. like Back-to-back years. And then uh-huh. it led to an infusion of youth, some trades, some veterans getting acquired, and the team got better. And then it got built for oh five oh six oh six oh seven in that way. So that's what the Sabers are trying to do here, and you continue to build with added players, added talented players, mm-hmm. and see who comes out on top because not everybody will.
0: All right, big story in the NHL yesterday was the deal between Ottawa and yes. Detroit. We want to give it its full due, so let's take a break early. Come back with it, and the traditional monday segment which ties in nicely with the deal because it's kind of best and worst of the weekend depending on which team you're on who's getting to bring it who's not and guess what it may dramatically impact both franchises who remain in the hunt with the sabers to get back into a playoff position this coming season we'll discuss the to deal from ottawa to detroit next on sabers live <music> Back with more of Sabres Live, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Well, our Sabres Live group chat got fired up pretty quickly last night, Marty, because of the uh, deal between Ottawa yes. and Detroit. The Debrinket deal getting done as Alex goes to the Red Wings in exchange for Dominic Kubalik, a conditional first in 2024, which I will not get into the details, a 2024 fourth and defense. Uh, prospect, I guess you could say 21 year old Donovan Sobranco. So, my initial reaction to the deal was, wow, this is terrible for Ottawa. Now, then it's after sober second thought, I was reminded of how I felt last year when Ottawa acquired Debrinket, and that was they got him for nothing. So, <laughs> now in the big picture, I'm like, eh. Okay, whatever. It was just one year of DeBrinket's career with Ottawa, and we move on. And nothing lost, nothing gained. Although DeBrinket did lose a little bit financially because he didn't have the monster year, so he settles for four-year extent, four-year new deal. Pardon me, with Detroit at just under thirty-two million. So his signing put him in at around seven point eight. Not Knox, Tage Thompson, and Dylan Cousins just a little further down the highest-paid player list for this year. So right now, for those of you wanting to keep track of just how good a deal or deals those are for the Sabers, uh, Tage ranks 89th in salary for this upcoming season, with Dylan Cousins in 90th right behind. But and let's focus it on
1: change. It could change because if oh, it'll only go lower. Yes, season, yeah, it yeah, can yeah. only go lower. Here's the thing though, this is now. Last summer was Matthew Kachuk. This year is Alex DeBrinkett. Players that are basically saying, I want out, but I will only go to a team where I want to because I need an extension. And so it's not a no movement clause, but it is somewhat of a no movement clause. And it puts Ottawa in a position that they can't get the maximum return. I, like this deal for Ottawa is terrible. Dominic Kubalik, okay, and the reason why I'm saying it's terrible is because we we remember Kubelik with Chicago, his rookie year. He and Victor Olsson were going back and forth, right, these rookie goal scorers in the first mm-hmm. year. Yep. Kubalik is who he is. He's maxed out. He's not going to be all of a sudden a 65-point guy scoring 35 to 40 goals a year. Not going to happen. So you've got a maxed-out Kubelik. you got a prospect. You got a first-round pick. Okay, good. You got a first-round pick back in the the Debrinket deal. But um, they better go Ottawa, I'm saying. They better go and get something in the free agent market because you got to tell Brady Kachok, Claude Giroux, and everybody else. You got Jacob Chikrin last year. You got Jonas Gorpussello this year. Like, you got to replace Debrinket if you're Ottawa. If not, your team is not as good. Oh, wait. You're on uh, mutation formation here, Duffer.
0: That is true. I was muted because I didn't want to say what I just said. So let me start over. <laughs> uh I will I will say this. They will have Josh Norris for an entire season and Kubalik will easily score 20 for them. So they're not going to miss that much in the way of goals. Kubalik is not going He scored 20 last year on a yeah. on a on an, a you know, challenged Detroit team so and has scored 30 once in his career so I think 20 is easy and but let's talk about the impact of Debrinkit here because now most importantly uh, both these teams and trust me when I say in the Detroit market and the Ottawa market they look at the Sabres in a similar way how can you not these three teams have been on such Similar paths, albeit different, if that makes any sense, as far as inching closer. None of them have reached their potential as quickly as their fan bases would have liked. That's the obvious. But what does DeBrinckit do for this Detroit team that has always had Dylan Larkin and then a bunch of others?
1: Yes. Um, what does it do? I I, I don't like Detroit. I don't like what they really? lost this year and how they are trying to add in. Look, I know Steve Weisman is trying to do a lot of things, and he signed JT Comfort to a contract over $5 million on average uh, mm-hmm. to play second center. Who is he going to play with? Like David Perron? Are you putting Robbie Fabry there? I'm not in love with Detroit's roster. I'm in love with a certain, a few players. Mm-hmm. I, I always have liked Dylan Larkin. I think he's fantastic. I love Mo Sider. I think he's fantastic. But really, after that, I don't like Detroit. I don't think that. I think Ottawa is still a better team than the Detroit Red Wings, even though Ottawa took a step back. I think, and in my opinion, not because we're in Buffalo, the Sabres are ahead of those two teams roster wise, depth wise. Yes. Okay. You're going to point out the goaltending. Philly Uso is a much more experienced goaltender than anything the Sabres have. And Ottawa went and got Jonas Corpusselo, and they got Anton Forsberg coming back. So maybe they have an edge in goalie, but I think over time, and if the Sabres can insulate a little bit what they have in that and and you know let them develop, it'll be fine. So I, I don't like Detroit. To me, they're three. Ottawa is two, and Buffalo is one.
0: Do you know? how much roster turnover there actually has been for Detroit this coming season. They have Uh, eight, eight, eight new faces coming in. That is a lot. And that speaks to how disappointing last year clearly must have been for Iserman and his plan.
1: Yeah. So the players coming in, though, like, are day of impact, right? Is a Daniel Sprong going to be able to duplicate what he did in Seattle and mm-hmm. be a guy that's of impact? Last year was great. He didn't play a right. lot. So his points per 60 and his impact per 60 was great. But if you give him 18 minutes instead of 10, mm-hmm. is that going to help you? I don't know. That's rolling of the
0: dice. So you've got Debrinket, you have Clem Coston, Daniel Sprong. Christian Fisher, Shane Goss Despair, Justin Hall, James yeah. Reimer. You're right. It doesn't sound like a huge impact.
1: Yeah, it's not that great. It like the debris DeBrin- That's why out.
0: everything hinges on the magnitude of this DeBrinket deal. Oh, and DeBrin- if he returns 45 to
1: 45 goals, is an impact. But right. if he gets 32, that's that's still a good season for him. But it's not the impact that they wanted.
0: Right. Well, guess what? We, didn't we don't have enough have time, time for best and worst. So, maybe we'll treat Monday like a holiday edition. And then tomorrow, we'll have best and worst from the long weekend. Great to be back with you on all platforms, folks. We'll see you tomorrow.
1: We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better
0: over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch